Well, I believe you have your place tonight, Psalm 46, and I want to read just one verse tonight, and if you've been with us, you know where I'm going, but then we're going to move over backwards to Psalm chapter 22, and we'll look at a verse there tonight. Psalm 46, and in verse number 1, the Bible says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. That last statement in verse 1 is what we're after. He says that God is a very present help in trouble. Father, we thank you tonight for letting us be back in the house of the Lord. We thank you for these dear people that have come tonight and brought to our remembrance these great old hymns Lord, you have spoke to our heart. We thank you for that tonight. The congregation singing, the testimonies, the answers to prayers. Lord, all that you've done, even here tonight, we give you the praise and glory. I thank you for the faithful members of this church and then for several others from other churches that have come to be with us tonight. Lord, most of all, we need you to help us We need you to meet us right here tonight because without you, Lord, we can do nothing. Pull everybody's attention in, I pray. In Jesus Christ's name, I ask these blessings. Amen and amen. If you've been with us, Psalm chapter 46 is one of the 11 Psalms that is written to the sons of Korah. If you don't know the story there, Numbers chapter 16, read it when you get home. The only time ever, Brother Dwayne, in all history that the earth opened up and swallowed people down into hell. Well, the sons of Korah saw that with their own eyes. It was their daddy. It was all that appertained to them. And these boys made a difficult choice. And can I say it's not always easy to do the right thing. They chose to go against their daddy. They chose to go with God and God's man. Well, of course their hearts are broken. Wouldn't your heart be broken? Wouldn't you be troubled if you just saw your parents fall into hell alive? Well, these boys saw that. Well, God gave 11 Psalms to encourage them and strengthen these boys that did the right thing. And let us take an example. When you see a young person that may not have godly parents, that may not have any godly influence, and they're trying to do the right thing, you ought to do your best to encourage them in the work of the Lord. That's why I love this bus ministry. Because many times it's ministering to children who do not have godly influence. I say praise God for children that get up out of the bed on Sunday morning without mom and dad helping them and come on to the house of the Lord. I appreciate that, don't you, tonight? Let's give those young people a hand that are doing that in this very church service this evening. Well, God wrote these 11 Psalms, I could email them to you later. Some have already asked and already have. When you read these 11 Psalms, it gives you a greater, greater appreciation for what these young men went through. Well, 
What I'm after tonight is not that, it's just a springboard. The last part of verse number 1, Brother Dwayne, it says that God is a very present help in trouble. Aren't you glad He is? He's been with me in my past. I can look in my rearview mirror. He's all back there. Amen. And you know what? I see Him out there in my future. But you know what's better than that? He's God right now. He's a very present help, present tense right now. As I study words and phrases in the Bible, we have determined what that means is this. He will meet you there. He will meet you there. He is a present help in time of trouble. Brother Bray, I've been looking at some things. I found that in pardon, He will meet you there. If you're lost without Christ tonight, if you'll just come, guess what? He'll meet you there. He'll be a present help for you and get you salvation by the grace of God. This matter of propagation, when we're getting the gospel to lost people, when we're witnessing to lost people, Jesus said, Lo, I'm with you all the way. You know what? If we'll be busy about getting the gospel to poor lost souls, guess what? He will meet you there. Thank God He's promised He'd do that. Then we looked at Joseph. One of the greatest scenes of temptation in the Bible. We called it provocation. As Joseph was tempted in Genesis chapter 39. Joseph, a foreigner and a slave in a foreign land. A handsome 17-year-old boy, but a wicked woman. Cast her eyes upon Joseph, if you know the story. She began to seduce him day by day. But you know what the Bible said about old Joseph? He refused. You know why he refused? Four times, Brother Vaughn, in that chapter, the Bible said the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. And friends, can I say tonight, if we're going to overcome temptation, you don't have enough strength on your own. You don't have enough wit on your own. You're going to need the Lord. And I'm glad if we'll put God first and we'll seek the face of God when those temptations come. Guess what? He'll meet you there. Y'all making me want to start over. We found number four, that He'll meet you there in prayer access. And I called it prayer in a closet. What about entering into a closet? Nobody can see you. Nobody can hear you. Nobody knows you're inside. But He that seeth thee in secret shall reward thee openly. How many of you ever found a secret place of prayer? Nobody knew you were there, but He met you there, and God brought it to pass. I loved last night, we looked at prayer again, but not prayer in a closet, but prayer in a church. Prayer agreement. You know, Jesus said, if two or three of you will gather together in my name in prayer agreement, guess what? There am I in the midst of them. He will meet you there. If you got a burden tonight, take your brother by the hand. 
Take your sister by the hand. Ask him to agree with you. Guess who will show up? He'll meet you there. There's just something about the power of prayer agreement. Well, I ran through that just to get our visitors on board. But tonight, look in Psalm 22 and in verse number 3. As I read this verse, you'll see quickly what my point is for tonight's message. Psalm 22 and in verse number 3. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Let me read that again. I hear pages turning. But thou art holy. That's our God. He's a holy God. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Now, friends, I'm afraid that we've got something backwards in our average church service today. Here's what we do. We show up, we sit down, we shut up, and we wait for God to come. Well, that might sound spiritual, but there's not a bit of Bible for such as that. You see, we've got it backwards. We're not supposed to come and wait for the moving of the Spirit. We're supposed to come and praise Him anyhow. And if we'll praise Him anyhow, He will meet you there. The Bible said He inhabitest. That means that He is in the midst of it. It means He dwells in it. It means He abides in it. It means He's married to it. It means He loves it. Friends, tonight I believe that we could have much more powerful services and a greater move of God and guarantee God's in the house if we would just praise Him on purpose. I said praise Him on purpose. If you're waiting till you feel like it, you might not ever praise God. If you're waiting till things start looking better, you might not ever praise God. Let's praise Him anyhow. If you're a child of the King, you've got something to praise Him about. Don't wait for a feeling. Don't wait for some mystical experience. Let's just enter His house with thanksgiving. Enter His courts with praise. Let's be thankful unto Him and bless His name. We can do that and we need to just do it on purpose. I come to praise God. I didn't come to find fault. I didn't come to see who was wearing what or had a new dress or a new suit. I came to praise God. I've learned this. If I'll praise Him, He'll show up. If I'll praise Him, He'll show out. If I'll praise Him, friend, the power of God will be manifest in His house. When I was just a kid preacher, me and Juanita were just newlyweds. This has been nearly 40 years ago. I've been preaching 40 years. How many of you ever heard of the Quakers? I know you know the Quakers. Man, I've known them all my life. I've seen them on oatmeal boxes. Man, hallelujah. Well, I remember when I was just a kid preacher starting out, the Quaker pastor in our community had a massive heart attack. They didn't have anybody to fill in. Somebody told me they had a list of about 40 preachers that were prospects, and my name was at the very bottom 
of those 40 preachers. And they called all 39, but everybody was busy. And they finally got to me. Man, I'm so excited. They asked me, said, do you understand the Quakers? I said, oh yes. I've been eating their oatmeal for years. I know all about y'all kind of people. Of course, I didn't have a clue what a Quaker was. But anyhow, I was excited to get to go, even though I was the last man on their consideration. Well, when I got there, me and Juanita, you can just imagine us 40 years younger, and we walked in the Quaker church, Brother Dwayne, here we go. And we said about where Brother Bray's at. There was two or three older Quaker women sitting right here, and there's me and Juanita. Well, we went in and we just sat down. And I got to looking at my watch, and it was 5 after 11. It was supposed to start at 11. And I looked over at them old Quaker ladies. I said, ladies, I said, it's 5 after 11. I said, I thought we started at 11. They said, shh. I said, what? She said, don't you understand what we're doing? I said, no, ma'am, I don't understand what we're doing. I thought we was having church. It's 5 after 11. She said, shh, be quiet. We're waiting. I said, oh, that's what we're doing. We're waiting. So I sat there about five more minutes. And then I looked over at him again. I said, ladies, what are we waiting for? They said, shh, don't you understand? We're waiting for the moving of the Spirit. And when the Spirit moves, then we will begin. Now that might sound funny, but there's a whole lot of us do the very same thing. We come in the house of God, sit around going, shh, this is not a library. This is not a funeral home. This is the house of God. This is a house of celebration. Well, I learned about the Quakers. They wait for the moving of the Spirit. I've learned this about Baptists. They do the very same thing. Shame on us. Somebody ought to come in this house of God with their mind made up. I'm going to praise God anyhow. You say, we need God in the house. Praise Him. We need God in the midst. Praise Him. He will meet you there. You know, Psalm 115 verse 17 says, The dead praise not the Lord. I'll just leave that there. The dead <laughs> praise not the Lord. What's your excuse? What's your problem? Your face ain't on an oatmeal box. Say amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I didn't come to shut up. I come to shout it out. You know something about praise? Psalm 33 verse 1. Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Praise is attractive. Praise is beautiful. And you know, when a person is genuinely praising God, most of the time they got a smile on their face. You ever looked around at how people look in church? They look like they've been chewing on lemons and, and eating sour pickles and been down to the persimmon patch. Shame on us, friend. Praise is comely. Praise is beautiful. Praise is attractive. Psalm 147 verse 1, Praise ye the Lord, 
For it is good to sing praises unto our God, for it is pleasant and praise is comely. There it is again. Praise is attractive. Did you know it will attract people? You know the greatest thing that could happen in this community and the community where your church is at is if people in the community heard that God was meeting them there. If people heard that God was in the house. People are sick and tired of dead church. Isn't it amazing? We want a live boxing match. We want a live wrestling match. We want a live ball game. We want a live car race with a lot of excitement. And then we want to come to church and act like we've lost our best friend. Friend, there's something wrong with that. I don't care if you shout at the ball game. I won't fuss. I won't care if you shout at the racetrack. I won't fuss. But don't come to church and act like you've lost your best friend. There's a whole lot better stuff going on here tonight than there is at the ball game, than there is at the racetrack, than there is at the boxing match. Amen. Praise. If we'll praise Him, He'll show up. Are you still in Psalms? I want to do something Sammy Allen used to do, Brother Dwayne. In Psalm chapter 146, if you'll get there, I want to read you the first and last verse of Psalm 146, Psalm 147, Psalm 148, and Psalm 149. And then I'm going to read the whole chapter of Psalm 150. See if you can figure out what's going on. Psalm 146 verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Folks, that's not a suggestion. That's a commandment. Verse number 10, same chapter. The Lord shall reign forever. Even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations. Praise ye the Lord. 147 verse 1. Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God, for it is pleasant and praise is comely. Look at the last verse, verse 20. Do you see what they got in common? He hath not dealt so with any nation, and as for his judgments, they have not known them. Praise ye the Lord. 148 verse 1, praise ye the Lord. When y'all going to do it? How many times have I got to read this? Praise ye the Lord. It doesn't have a parenthesis and say suggestion. There's no suggestion to it. Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Look in verse 14. He also exacteth the horn of His people, the praise of all His saints, even of the children of Israel, a people near unto Him, Praise ye the Lord. Look in Psalm 149. Praise ye the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song and His praise in the congregation of saints. Look in verse 9. To execute upon them the judgment written, this honor have all His saints. Praise ye the Lord. Now I want to read the whole chapter. Psalm 150. You're not getting bored, are you? You're not getting mad, are you? 
I mean, I just keep telling you the Bible's telling us to praise ye the Lord. God said, praise ye the Lord. God said, praise ye the Lord. But look in verse 1. I'll read all six verses. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Sounds like where we're sitting tonight. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. How many of you saw God do some great things? Y'all to praise Him for it. Y'all to praise Him for it. Bless His holy name. Hey, you know somebody that's got it worse than you do? The devil don't want you to ever think that anybody's got it worse than you. But there's somebody that's got it worse than you. And we ought to praise God for how good God's been to us. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Boy, if I had a trumpet, I'd blow it right now. I say glory to God. Someone said, I don't like trumpets in church. You probably won't like heaven either. Amen. Thank God. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the psaltery. That's a stringed instrument. And a harp. More stringed instruments. You know, poor people who don't believe that you ought to have strings in the house of God. Man, I love stringed instruments, don't you? Isn't it amazing the same bunch that says we can't have stringed instruments in church is playing a piano that's got a thousand strings in it. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm trying to be nice. Amen. Praise Him with the timbrel. I think I heard a timbrel tonight. That made some of you nervous. It don't make me nervous. As long as, listen, if percussion is played for God and played right, I'm all for it because the Bible's for it. Can someone say amen? Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Oh, preacher, you're making me nervous. You say, what does that mean? That's what Pastor Jimmy Woods did last night on his way down the aisle as Brother Reed was testifying about how God healed him of cancer. He got in a little holy dance, a little holy skip, a little holy run. You say, that scares me. Don't scare me, friend. I say, we got something to dance about. I'm not dancing to rock and roll. I'm not dancing to country music. But I got a skip in my step when it comes to Jesus and what Jesus has done for me. <laughs> Woo, I'm blaming this on pastor. Amen. The Bible says, praise Him with a timbrel and dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and organs. Hallelujah. I was preaching in a church some time ago and all they had was an organ and a set of drums. I thought, it's going to be interesting. And man, them boys weren't afraid to play that organ, and play them drums. Brother Dwayne, I ain't never had this happen before, but I kind of liked it. When I'd get in a big way of preaching, I noticed the organ player never came down. He stayed up there with me. I looked over and I thought, man, he ought to be going back to his seat about now. But I found out why he stayed. I'd get to preaching all at once. He'd go, dum, dum, dum. Woo! I say glory. You don't like it? I like it. I like praise. I can get along with that a whole lot better than I can get by with this high steeple dried up on the stalk, dead as four o'clock, cold as a dog's nose. Say amen. Uh, brother, I got something to praise God about. Woo! <laughs> praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the high-sounding cymbals. 
and look at this. See if you qualify. You may not qualify. Let's see if you qualify. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Are you breathing tonight? Are you breathing tonight? I want to praise God for my breath. I want to praise Him for my life. Hallelujah. There's a number of us in this room. We've looked death in the face. But God had mercy on us. And let us keep living. And let us keep breathing. We can't give the doctors no credit. We can't give the scientists no credit. We can't give the hospital no credit. All we can do is say we got breath and we're breathing tonight because of the goodness of God. God has blessed us and we got something to praise Him for. Woo! Hallelujah. Now that didn't cost nothing. That was just an extra. How many of you like Psalm 146 through Psalm 149, verse 1, and the final verse? In every verse, my friends from Stokesdale, in every verse of the first and last, it's praise ye the Lord. Then in the six verses of Psalm 150, it's praise the Lord. What's our problem? What's our excuse? We've got excuses for everything. God's give you breath. God's give you a voice. God's give you a church. God's give you a life. A life that's worth living, Brother Sam. Isn't it good that we can come to church, turn loose? Hey, I love to come in and just shout the house down. You see, there's all kind of problems and burdens out there. Isn't it good we can come in, shut ourselves in, and start praising Him. He'll meet us there. And thank God He will show up. Woo! <laughs> Hallelujah. I done lost a button. I hope it didn't hit nobody in the eye. <laughs> Hallelujah. See why they moved all y'all's equipment? <laughs> Buttons and cuff links are flying through there. You better wear safety glasses when you come hear me preach. Well, praise the name of God. God's been so good to me. God's been good to you. Preacher, I just don't seem like i got nothing to praise God for. Do you know Jesus? Do you know the Lord? You can praise Him forevermore. The Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore God hath also highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and of things in earth, and of things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I've got a Lord that I can praise. I've got a life that I can praise God for. Not only physical life, but the greatest life is spiritual life. 1 John five twelve. I remember Brother Dwayne years ago in Kernersville when I was pastoring, we had a street ministry. We'd get out there and preach on, on the streets. And my, what a great experience that is, preaching on the streets. And a bunch of teenagers rode by, and they screamed out the window. I'll never forget, why don't you folks get a life? Why don't you folks get a life? I smiled real big as they were going up by the stoplight. I said, I already have. It was on a Friday night I got a life, a life in Jesus Christ. 
First John 5, 12, He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. I can praise Him for my Lord. I can praise Him for my life. I can praise Him for the list. You know, some list you don't want your name on. But there's one list you do want your name on. And it's called the Lamb's Book of Life. You know, Jesus sent out 70 disciples and they were a lot like us. They came back shouting, cutting cartwheels and jumping up and down. And you know what they said? Jesus, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Well, Jesus bursted their bubble. He said, fellas, rejoice not because the devils and spirits are subject unto you. That's not the reason to rejoice. He said, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. You see, one day the devils might be subject to you. The next day they might not. But if you're saved by the grace of God, your name will always be in the Lamb's book of life. Oh my! My name will never be in a big periodical. I know that. My name will never be in the lights of this world. I know that. But I know this. My name's in the most important place. And Brother Sam, it's the Lamb's book of life. My name is in the book of life. Are you saved? Your name is in the book of life. I can't help but believe one day he'll take that big book, spin it around, say, there it is. Aren't you glad your name is written in the book of life? <laughs> I know what critics say of rejoicing. They say, ah, they're just making a show. <laughs> Please look up the word rejoice in the Bible. <laughs> you know what it means? It means to make a show. They're just making a show. Guilty! It means to make a show or to boast. It means literally to lift your voice up loud. It means, I heard a woo. I like woo. Amen. First lady's about to get in the glory. If Sister Teresa hits the aisle, I'm running after her. Say amen. Hallelujah. Somebody help me tonight. You see this word rejoice, it means to lift up your voice. Make a show. It means to boast. He said, well, y'all shouldn't be boasting. Well, it's who we're boasting on. It's who we're boasting in. I can't boast in me. I can't boast in you. But I can boast in Him. Because He's worthy. I said, He's worthy tonight. <laughs> I'm praising God for the list. Luke 10, 20, Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you. Can I just help you with that? Don't rejoice because you're having a good day. Because tomorrow it might not be a good day. Because if you only rejoice when you're having a good day, when you have a bad day, you'll be silent. I don't want to rejoice over a good day. I want to rejoice for this single reason. My name's in the book of life. It's settled. It's secured. Thank God I'm going to heaven one of these days. If you want to, if you want to see me in heaven, it's up to you. Because I know I'm a-going. How many of you know you're going tonight? But number four, I want to rejoice tonight because of a land. You know, we're strangers here. Do you turn on the news or see the news on social media and you think, man, I just don't, I don't fit in. I just don't fit in. Whoever thought we'd be fussing 
over pronouns. I mean, whoever thought we'd be in that bad a shape? But I'm telling you, we're in bad shape in this country. The Republicans are not the answer. The Democrats are not the answer. The answer is Jesus. That's the only hope. Can someone say amen? But this is, this is my temporary home. This is not where my permanent residency is. As the songwriter said long ago, Brother H.C., your, your mama probably sang you this song. There is a land that's fairer than day. And by faith, we can see it afar. I'm going to where I will fit in. I'm going to the place that Jesus has prepared. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, rejoice evermore. My, that's what we need to be doing. He'll meet us there. Do do y'all see how the presence of God's just kind of settled in here with me just magnifying praise? There is something about it. There's something about it. Paul said this, Philippians 4.4 said this from a jail. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I was reading before I come to church, Luke 19. We're not going to turn there, but in verse 35 down through verse number 40. Read it when you get home. Jesus got on a little wild colt and tamed it, Brother Vaughn. He tamed that wild colt. Nobody ever sat on him. You know, we were like that wild colt. We couldn't be tamed. But thank God when Jesus got on board, when He met us there, He tamed that wild colt. How many of you remember when you were a wild colt? But Jesus tamed you down. Well, the Bible said He's riding this wild colt who's tamed now. He's making His triumphant entry And the Bible said they're spreading palm leaves and they're spreading clothes in the way. And the Bible said His people, His followers, they just come unglued. They begin to rejoice. They begin to shout. They begin to jump up and down. And boy, them Pharisees didn't like it. If you don't like shouting and praising God, you might be kin to the Pharisees. Them Pharisees said, Jesus, Jake, they said, Jesus, calm this bunch down. We don't like all this disorder. Jesus looked at that religious crowd and said, If these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. You know, I've been to some churches so dead, I'm waiting for the rocks in the parking lot to start jumping up. Say amen. I don't want no rocks doing my praise. I got breath. I got life. I'm going to heaven. I'm saved by the grace of God. I got much to praise Him for. Back before COVID and all that, I got an unusual preaching invitation to go to the country of Haiti. Long story short, there's a church in Jacksonville, Florida, Hope Baptist Church, They voted unanimously to sponsor my entire trip to pay for everything for me to go to Haiti. I thought, isn't that something? People praying to get me out of the country. (laughs) I'm used to it, amen. But he said, preacher, we've got an open door. 
It's an inroad. And he said, we're going to be able to take the gospel into a region where they've never heard the gospel. And they said, we believe it was God's will for you to preach that service. It was a one-service deal. They flew me all the way to Haiti, all that expense, thousands of dollars. And when I got there on Monday, I found out the details. My part was on Tuesday. And they told me, they said, Preacher, we didn't tell you before, we didn't want to confuse you, but we're having church tonight, but we don't want you to come. I thought, well, that's normal too. Uh, I understand. <laughs> Y'all will get that. They said, we know you got jet lag. This is what we call a forerunning service. And we, we're going to test the water tonight. And then tomorrow night's the big service. And we want you rested and fresh and ready to preach the gospel. You'll be preaching through an interpreter. It'll be dirt floors. It'll be slat pews. It'll be an open wall, just a shelter of a building. We'll be running a PA system through a generator. There's no electricity there. And they said, Preacher, we want you fresh. I said, Okay, I'll stay back and rest while y'all go preach tonight if you'll do me one favor. They said, What is it? When you get back from church, wake me up. I want to know everything that happened. It'll help me in preparation for the next night. Well, here they come. They knocked at my door. They said, Preacher, you told us to wake you up. I said, Yes, I want to know everything. They said, Well, Preacher, the little shack will hold about a hundred. Dirt floor, open walls, open rafters, just a shed of a building. I said, well, how many showed up? They said, over 200 showed up. It only holds 100. He said, they were crammed in there. I said, tell me more. They said, preacher, we did our best to preach the gospel. We gave them the gospel crystal clear. I said, great, that's what I want to hear. 200 people heard the crystal clear gospel. Tell me. I want to know about the invitation. And they all bowed their heads, Brother Dwayne. They said, Preacher, nothing happened. I said, what? They said, nothing happened. I said, do you have any clue why nothing happened? They said, we know why nothing happened. About where Brother Dwayne King is sitting in this service, they said the voodoo high priest was there. And he brought enchantments and beads and prayed prayers and did his black magic while we were preaching. And you got to understand, Brother Anderson, they're talking to me, these are very simple people and they're afraid of him. They're terrified of him. And when we gave the invitation, nobody moved. Nothing happened because they were terrified of the voodoo high priest. This is getting heavy on my heart. I said, fellas, let me ask you something. You think he'll be there tomorrow night when I'm preaching? They said, if he's alive, he'll be there. And he'll be doing the very same thing. I said, thank you for telling me. I didn't know what to do. I prayed all day, sought God all day. And we got there about an hour early. It was rugged roads, rough terrain. And we got there in that little building that seats about 100. There was already over 200 there an hour early. And we got there an hour early. Folks just kept coming in. Folks just kept coming in. We heard a little motorcycle pull in. And some of the young men said, there he is. I said, who is that? They said, that's him. He's here. I said, okay, fellas, we just got to pray through this. That's all I know to do. 
Well, by the time service started, we didn't have 200. We had over 600. 400 people on the outside. 200 crammed on the inside. When they finally got through their singing, they called me up to preach. I preached on you must be born again as simple as I knew how. And I want to be transparent and honest as a man can be in the pulpit. Brother Dwayne, I couldn't tell if I had any anointing or not. I couldn't tell if I had any liberty or not. I ain't never felt like that preaching. I've preached through interpreters before and have good unction, but I couldn't judge this. And I look back there and there he sits, his beads, his enchantments. He's praying against me, his black magic. All those other people are watching him and they're watching me. They're scared of him. And I thought, Lord, this church has sunk thousands of dollars in this campaign. I got the ear of 600 people. I said, here's a man trying to shut it all down. And I didn't know what I'm praying and preaching at the same time. I don't know what to do. And the Lord gave me a verse I gave you that I'm preaching on tonight. He didn't give it to me for them. He gave it to me for me. Psalm 22.3 came to my heart. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. God gave me that for me. I didn't even quote it to them. It was just for me. So every time I make a little statement, Brother Bray, I would finish my statement with hallelujah. Every time I made a statement, I'd say hallelujah. Jesus left heaven, came to earth. Hallelujah. Jesus lived a sinless life. Hallelujah. I just kept doing that. Well, the Christians on the platform with me, they picked up on what I was doing. Those that spoke English, those that did not. And you know how those that did not understand English know what I was doing? Because hallelujah is the same in every language. And when I'd get to the end of those statements, Brother Jimmy, I'd say hallelujah. And the people on the platform started saying hallelujah with me. There was a few Christians out there among that big crowd and they picked up on what I was doing and they started saying hallelujah. Well, I looked down at the voodoo high priest after I gave about 10 statements with a hallelujah at the end of every statement. About this time, he's a sweating bullets. About this time, he's a getting nervous. He's a rubbing them beads about to rub the pain off of them. Say amen. But we just kept crying hallelujah. And when I closed the sermon, I said hallelujah four times. All the Christians in the building were with me saying hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I did it four more times. Then I did it four more times. You might think I'm exaggerating, but it was like a dam broke. It was like something happened. It was like the Niagara Falls came through that place. I quickly gave the invitation and said, Lord, it's all yours. One by one, them little poor Haitian people began coming to the altar. The old voodoo high priest, he lost his hold. He lost his power. You know how come he got shut down? Because we praise God. God said, I'll show up. I'll meet you there. 
I don't care if it's a remote village in Haiti where they have a slat pew and a dirt floor and an open wall and a shell of a building and no electricity and no potty. I'm here to tell you, brother, when you praise God, I said when you praise God, He will meet you there. We stayed for hours. They were determined, Brother Dwayne, to pray with each person. We stayed for hours. And they told me after it was all said and done, over a hundred poor Haitians got saved that night. And it was all because He met us there. See, we done saw what we could do. We couldn't do nothing. But when He met us there, now I know my critics will say, well, reckon how many really got saved? Well, I don't have the answer to that. But two weeks later after I'm home, I got a call from the sponsoring pastor. He said, preacher, remember them hundred or so that got saved? I said, yeah. He said, guess what? They've all got a Bible. We've got them all a Bible. They're all enrolled in the new converts class. All of them are either lined up to be baptized or already been baptized. And he said, they're all bringing people with them to the house of the Lord. What makes a difference is if He will meet you there. Now friend, Haiti is shut down. You can't get in there now. I mean, there is all kind of terrorism, all kind of vandalism, all kind of thievery. I mean, if, if we were to go to Haiti tonight, we would, we would more, more likely be kidnapped and held ransom. That's how bad it's got in their society. But I can't get back over there now. And unless it opens up, nobody can get back over there now. But we, done, we got a hundred on fire for God. <laughs> They're already there. And they're bringing people to the house of God and bringing people to Jesus Christ. And you might think this is shallow preaching tonight, but I'm telling you, if we'll praise Him, if we'll just praise Him, He will meet us there. Now can we get honest a little bit? We got people from Piedmont, we got people from Stokesdale, people from Eden. We got people from two different, three different churches from Reedsville. Could y'all be honest with me a minute? Are there ever times at your place when it seems like you got a voodoo high priest sitting about three rows back? It's dead, it's four o'clock. Come on, you have them times. You say, well, preacher, what must we do? Why not try what we did in Haiti? It'll work right here in North Carolina. It'll work anywhere. About a half a dozen of you men and ladies stand up. Just start saying hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The floodgates will open. God will come in the house. He has promised that He will meet us there in this matter of praise.